0: Hi. Hi. Week three.
1: Week three.
0: Welcome to our marriage prep class. this is the first time that you are here, my name is Nate.
1: And I'm Angeline.
0: We're the Bagley's. And uh we just thought it would be fun. We run the Mormon Marriages podcast, and we thought it'd be really fun to put together a weekly series on Sundays about how to have a ridiculously awesome marriage, um, or how to prepare to have one if you don't have one yet. So um Today, we're talking about something really important.
1: Let's recap a little bit what we've talked about so far. Okay. Just cuz it kind of correlates with what we're talking about today. So last week we talked about the growth ecosystem and purpose of marriage and how if you if you have the purpose of your marriage be happiness, that's kind of setting yourself up for failure. And we talked about the purpose of marriage being growth. And if you have this growth mentality, then it it makes you partners instead of adversaries if you didn't watch that we'd recommend going back and watching it, it it's
0: was, a good it's a it good fantastic plus, if and i do say so myself
1: it's one of our favorite topics to talk about and this week is our second favorite topic to talk about which goes right along with what we talked about last week and uh this week we're going to talk about the foundation for which to build your marriage so purpose of marriage is growth and now we're going to talk about a really sure foundation that can help your marriage survive really any trial
0: yeah. that it comes to. And one of the ways that we're creating these lessons is we want to make them really practical and actionable. We're not just going to teach you vague concepts like read your scriptures and say your prayers. We actually want to get into the meat <laughs> of how this stuff works. And those that those things are great. Like we're not um we're not trying to poo-poo those things, but that's oftentimes the solutions that you hear in church is you know how do you have a good marriage or how do you overcome the struggles of life or how do you you know whatever you're bumping up against the answer seems to be sunday school answers and our goal in this these uh, kind of lessons is to give you a little bit more insight into what marriage actually looks like and what you can do to actually have um pra- what practical things you can do beyond those answers to actually create a strong marriage and one of the things that working with couples on a very regular basis that i bump into a lot is i hear people who are struggling say Oh, you know, we just have really crappy communication. We need to work on our communication. It's like the number one thing that I hear couples say when they're struggling or when they're not, when they don't have the type of relationship that they want to have, I need to work on my communication. Mm -hmm. Well, the the, the actual truth of the matter is that your communication along with the rest of your marriage is built on a, a foundation. And when that foundation is weak, your communication stinks. You might have great communication skills, but because they're on a shaky foundation, um, the communication. Like you don't connect with one another. And so what we're going to talk about today um, is creating this, how how to create this foundation and how when you do create this foundation, the majority of the issues that most people struggle in their relationship or struggle with in their relationship, you won't struggle with those things if this foundation is there. So we're basically eradicating like 90% of the problems that most couples deal with. If you do have questions along the way and you're watching this live, would love to have you um, type in the comments. We're on YouTube and on Facebook right now, and we can see your comments as they come in. Yes. Um, so that's really exciting. So
1: let's start with talking about our favorite primary song, <laughs> "The Wise Man." are, we have to say, are man? gonna have
0: singing time. Sing it Ready,
1: everyone? No, we won't do that.
0: The wise man built his house upon the
1: rock. Yep. So we're talking about the wise man building his house upon the rock and the foolish man building his house upon the sand. And we want you to build your marriage on the rock,
0: a strong foundation. Because like the story says, when the storms come, if you have your found, if you if your house is built on the sand, your house gets washed away. But if your house is built on a rock, something that's stable and sturdy and reliable and isn't going to be blown away by winds or washed away by water, your house or AKA your marriage in this situation is going to, it's going to withstand the storms of life.
1: So what's some Sandy foundations?
0: Oh man. Um,
1: what are some common foundations we see people building their marriages? On I mean, we talked a joke. lot
0: about that last week. Like if you want to be comfortable, if you want to be happy and those are the things that you base your, your relationship on, that's going to be a Sandy foundation.
1: Um, marrying someone because you don't want to be alone might be a Sandy foundation.
0: Yep um yeah you caught me off guard with that question sorry honey. that's okay <laughs> there's lots of sandy foundations right um but the the there's really interesting relationship research out there that talks about what a strong foundation is and um the strongest the strongest marriages are built on a solid foundation of friendship right there you go yeah friendship Now you might be hearing that and be like, like, roll your eyes a little bit and be like, of course, of course, it's built on friendship. You have to be friends before you get married. Like, of course, most married people are friends with each other, but I, in this lesson, really, we we really want to like narrow friendship down and really define it and tell you exactly like friendship consists of three pillars, three specific things. And if those pillars are strong, your friendship is strong. And if those pillars are weak, your friendship is weak. And if your friendship is weak, your marriage is weak. So those three pillars are, do you want to say them?
1: I know you, I like you, and I have your back.
0: I know you, I like you, and I have your back. So today we're going to talk about all three of those pillars. Should we pop that up there? It's like, okay. You talk, I'll type. Okay.
1: So I know you, I like you, and I have your back. And that may seem really simple, but again, it's something that by small and simple things or great things brought to pass, And when you can master these, I know you, I like you, I have your back. Then you're going to be solid with, it doesn't mean you're not going to have hard times and you're not going to have the peaks and valleys like we talked about before, but you'll be able to manage them. And if you bump into issues, you'll be able to say, okay, which of our three pillars are struggling right now? If we're bumping into this specific challenge is our, I know you struggling. Is our I like you struggling or is I, I have your back struggling? So let's dive in.
0: Let's talk about I know you. I know you. So the I know you pillar is more than just like I know your favorite color. Mm-hmm. I know you means um, I know what you're struggling with. I know what's stressing you out. I know who the most important people are in your life right now. I know what brings you joy. If I were to be given 50 bucks and given the assignment of going out and buying you a gift, I would know exactly what to get you. Um, I know what you're looking forward to. I know what your goals are. I know what some of the, I know how to like, and how to hurt you. I also know how to build you up and make you feel really strong and happy and, um, lucky to be part of this relationship. What else would you add to, to, I know you?
1: Well, I would just say that this is something that a lot of people in dating relationships have down.
0: Oh, this, this is like the funnest part. Of this dating. is the
1: funnest part of the dating relationship is really diving deep, getting to know your partner. It's exciting to get to know. And again, we said not just your favorite color, but those are, that's part of it. Like the other day we were asking each other questions. I asked you what your favorite candy bar was. You know, just, just little simple things like that. And when you're in a dating relationship, that's the most exciting part about it. They're
0: one of the most exciting parts.
1: One of the most exciting parts about it. There's this person that that has lived this whole life before they even met you. And there's so much to discover and so much to learn about them. And you do a really great job with that. And then it seems like when you get married, it sort of gets a little stagnant. Yeah. Because you assume that, well, I'm married to this person now. I'm spending practically 24-7 with this human. They're sleeping next to me in the same bed. I know all there is to know about this person. And you stop getting to know your partner. And then let's say 10 years, 15 years down the line, you've had kids. Um you've moved to different places and I don't know if you've heard anyone say that they've woken up one morning and looked over and said who is the stranger in my bed. And they they don't know they don't know who they're married to anymore. Yeah. Because I want you to think about who you were 10 years ago. Are you the same person? Have you changed at all?
0: I've changed by about 30 pounds. <laughs>
1: Are there different preferences that maybe like, like, look at the style of clothes that you wore 10 years ago, would you, would you wear that same style of clothes today? So the purpose of the, I know you pillar is to continually be getting to know your partner and asking open-ended questions on a regular basis so that you don't ever wake up thinking, who is this person? And it keeps it exciting because every time we ask each other these questions, we learn something new about each other. Even, I mean, four years into marriage, that doesn't seem that long to a lot of people, but we're still getting to know so much about each other. And people who've been married 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, maybe they don't know what their partner is struggling with at work right now Yeah. or what they're nervous about. Maybe they don't know who their are best friend is who would, who they would consider their best friend. Cause maybe five years ago it was somebody else. So what do we so, do? Yeah. So, to...
0: well, you kind of touched on it already. And I, mm-hmm. I just want to reiterate something that you said, like, one of the things that makes dating so exciting is that there's mystery. There's intrigue that the, one of the things that, so we, I don't know if we talked about this in the very first lesson or not, but this is one of the paradoxes of love. And it's really, really interesting. Um, and this is one of the things that fascinates me about relationships. Is that in order to be in a like a really vibrant fulfilling relationship it requires you to fulfill two opposing needs at the same time do you remember if we talked about this I don't know I don't so there's don't. This, there, there's a need for um predictability there's a need for um for reliability you want to have some so, something that's stable something that feels safe and secure you want to have this like you you don't want your partner to just to to surprise you with something earth shattering out of the blue. You want somebody that you can trust and rely on that can be counted on. That's like there for you. But on the other side of of marriage, we also want some fun, some surprise, some spontaneity, some nuance, some excitement, a little bit of danger, Mm -hmm. a little bit of intrigue. And when you're dating somebody, when you're first getting to know somebody, um, mystery and curiosity breeds that desire and breeds that intrigue. And so, one of the most fun things about when you start dating is that you do get sucked into this like oh this is this person has all these like mysterious facets and, and interesting mm-hmm. things that I can learn about them and, and they they become like a puzzle that you kind of get to solve and that can be like a really fun experience and it, it really is easy when once you get married to become comfortable and complacent and realize and, and just kind of assume that your partner's not changing. Their preferences aren't changing. Their life experiences are pretty much the same. And the thing that happens to us in life is that change happens gradually. And so it requires you to keep a pulse on who your partner is and who they're constantly becoming, who they're evolving into. And so um, Angela mentioned basically the way to make sure that your I know you is strong is um, to ask your partner open-ended questions. Now, the tendency that most people get into, like the habit and the ritual and the, the, that stable routine that most people get sucked into, is asking each other like really simple one, one word questions or questions that require one word answers. How was your day? Good. How are you doing? Fine. What do you want for dinner? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and those are the conversations that, that we have like, who's taking Sally to soccer practice, me or you?
1: A lot of the conversations turned. Did you from pay the
0: bills? Yes or no.
1: Getting to know each other to, to logistics. logistics.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so one of the one of the ways that we um, that you, that you need to keep. So if you think of if you think of your partner as like a world, you know, and and if you want to get to know that world, you need to. Um, a really great great way to do that is like if they're a world you want to you have a map to it, that helps you understand the world better. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And if you go back like 10, 15, I don't know if you guys remember this, but do you type in the chat if you remember um, what's it called? Uh, MapQuest. Who remembers MapQuest where you'd like I type the address it. that you wanted to go to? And um, that they would give you like you'd get instructions and you'd print them out on your printer and you drive to like the location with your friends and you'd have a stack of 20 pages of paper. and You'd have to pull <laughs> them over every 10 minutes to make sure that you were still on track to look at your paper and keep driving. Mm-hmm. Like that was the way that we got around and kind of like understood the world back when we were younger. And then what happened is smartphones came out and you get things like Google Maps.
1: That has like Satellite terrain.
0: Yeah, like you can turn on the satellite view, and you can zoom in and see trees and mailboxes, and you can go all the way down to street view. And the detail of the map is much, much. Um, it's it's. <laughs> oh, oh most uh, The detail of the map is much higher, and when the detail is higher, you, you it's way easier to get around, and it's way easier to become familiar with your surroundings and to discover things that you never even really knew. And the goal here, by asking these open-ended questions, is to basically get the satellite view of your partner's world. Like to really understand in great detail what's going on in their life, in their head, in their heart. And that will help you stay close and it will help you avoid roommate syndrome. Um, one of, like you don't want to wake up one day married to a stranger. Mm-hmm. And it happens to a lot of people. And in, in large part, it's because people get caught up in logistics and stop trying to get to know their partner. So what's our favorite tool to help people ask each other open-ended questions?
1: So... Um, this whole love map concept is really big with the Gottman Institute that it's in their book, the seven, seven principles for, for making, making marriage work. work. And they have an app called card decks and it looks like the, oh, well, it looks like this and
0: if it, you just go on the yeah, app store and type in Gottman Gott- card decks, it will pull it up. You can download it. It's got hundreds and hundreds of open-ended questions.
1: It's got things like love maps, open-ended questions, rituals of connection, opportunity, date questions, give appreciation, I feel, salsa.
0: The salsa deck is probably better if you're a married couple.
1: <laughs> expressing empathy, great listening. So what we do is whenever we're in the car and we are... um driving somewhere long distance, we'll pull out these love map questions and we'll ask each other questions.
0: How often are you surprised that you learn something new about me?
1: All the time. <laughs> well, and it's crazy because we've been doing this ever since we got married. We've had this car deck and and sometimes the questions will recycle. And so I'll think I know the answer to the question and he'll say something completely different and, and the answer will change. And I'm the fun mysterious. thing about this is It's a really easy skill to practice when you're single. You can practice this with your friends. You can practice this with your family. Just asking open-ended questions that really make someone think. Let's maybe pull up some examples. Great. What do you need right now in a friend? Great question. You know, instead of just saying, like, who are your friends?
0: One of these questions, literally one of these questions can turn into a 20 minute, 30 minute, one hour conversation.
1: Right. And oftentimes we only ask each other two or three questions. What things are missing in your life? How have you changed in the last year? Have your goals in life changed recently? What are some of your life dreams? So they're just really awesome questions and will be a great tool for you. So. Gottman card deck.
0: Yep, I will look up, or maybe Ange can look up a link right now and we can drop it in the comments. Um, Will you just search for it right here? Sure. And uh, Adriel asked a great question. Let me actually put that up on the screen. Well, you can type that out. His question basically said, is it good to pursue separate hobbies or separate interests to create more of that pendulum swing? And I would say yes, a thousand percent yes. Um, and we can, we could do a whole lesson just on creating this dynamic, but the, the most unhealthy relationships are, you know, we, I talked about that pendulum that swings back and forth between, um, like, did you find it? Yep, and I copied it. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to post this in the comments. And I'll get back to, uh, the question. Here we go. Okay, hey,
1: the link is in the comments. Okay. Pendulum.
0: So Adriel, um, I'm going to put his question up here. He says. Is there something to be said for intentionally creating distance or mystery by focusing on personal growth and hobbies so that there's more of your partner to get to know? Absolutely, 100%. Mm-hmm. So there is a principle called enmeshment or codependency, where basically you, um, your emotions and your identity is completely tied to that of your partner. Now, part of, part of this pendulum, like this pendulum can represent multiple different things. Like you can have the need for novelty and, and surprise over here and the need for safety and security over here or you can have the need for um, closeness and intimacy over here and the need for independence over here. And if you spend too much time in the closeness and intimacy side, you're gonna start to feel smothered. You're gonna start to feel overwhelmed. You might start to get annoyed. But if you spend too much time over here with independence, you might start to feel lonely. You might want, you might really miss your partner. You might start to feel a little bit disconnected. And so you're gonna be constantly swinging back and forth between these two pendulums of you want some novelty and excitement, but you also want some safety. So you're gonna go on a fun and exciting date night, but then you're gonna come home to the bed that you know that is like really safe and secure. You're gonna go, maybe um, pursue a hobby like rock climbing with your friends and, that your partner might not be interested in. And then you're going to come home and you're going to make dinner and have dinner together. And so you're going to have this constant pendulum uh, swinging back and forth. And one of the things that I see a lot of couples struggle with is they think they have to do everything together.
1: I think that's a big thing when you first get married. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So one of the best things that you can do to cultivate this dynamic of um, attraction and passion, like desire, you cannot desire something that you already have. And so one of, the, one of the ways to create more desire in your relationship is to have hobbies and activities that you do as an, as, a, as an individual, that your partner, when they get to see you doing those things, makes them go, oh my gosh, there's so much more of my husband or my wife that I have to discover here. So I would absolutely encourage you to pay attention to that pendulum in your life and in your, and in your relationship. And don't let the pendulum, maybe like whether it's um, whatever hobby or interest you have, don't let it consume you but let it be a part of your life that helps define who you are as an individual because you're both an individual and a couple.
1: That's what we were talking about this yesterday on our walk yeah. is there's the me, Oops. the you, and the, us. We.
0: Yep. Yeah, the, the we. Yep,
1: the me, the the me, the you, and the we when it comes to a relationship and each of those dynamics is different and it's really important to to maintain your individuality while also creating this together yeah. dynamic. That was a really great question.
0: Yeah. So that was pillar number one is I know you. That's how you, if you strengthen that I know you pillar, it's one of the ways to combat roommate syndrome. It's one of the ways to combat that feeling that people have, you know, 20 years into the marriage where they go, oh my gosh, I'm married to a complete stranger. And it's one way to um, make sure that you just like keep, keep a pulse on who your partner is and who they're becoming and stay connected to them. Mm -hmm. Now the second pillar is? I like you. I like you. (laughs) It's important to like your partner, you guys. Uh Uh-huh. If you have ever, I feel like the perfect example of a couple who has a really strong I know you and a really strong I have your back, but a really weak I like you that most of us can relate to is Woody and Buzz from Toy Story.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true.
0: So um, if you remember the original Toy Story movie, you've got Buzz and Woody who are both toys. They belong to the same community. They have the same owner, Andy and they know each other pretty well like they've spent enough time around each other to know each other and know how each other functions and when they get lost at the gas station when they fall out of the minivan they have a shared a shared common goal like they have to trust on each, on each other and rely on each other or they're not going to be able to get back to Andy and to their their family of toys but they hate each other's guts. They do not enjoy <laughs> being around each other. No. Now, couples who have a strong, I know you and a strong, I have your" a relatively strong, I know you and a relatively strong, I have your back, but their I like you is weak. Those are typically the couples that I refer to as um, couples who have a marriage of mutual toleration. You know, they don't light up when their partner walks in the room. You know, they probably roll their eyes a lot at each other. They don't laugh at each other's jokes. They probably don't have much laughter at all in their relationship. Um, they don't look forward to spending time together. Probably spend a lot of time distracting themselves with uh, their phones or video games or friends or social media, um, and they just don't engage with with each other very much. And so, that's like nobody wants to get married and spend eternity with somebody that they don't like. Right. That is not fun. So it's important to have a strong "I like you" pillar. How many of you have ever know of somebody? You don't have to say who it is, but type in the chat if you know somebody. Who has a marriage of mutual toleration? These people typically, um, one of the phrases that you hear a lot is, "We stay together for the kids." Mm-hmm. So they know each other well enough that they can like predict each other. They're they're like comfortable in their routine. They have each other's back in that they share a common goal. They're taking care of the kids, but man, they do not. The moment those kids move out of the house is the moment they're they're parting ways because they just don't enjoy spending time together.
1: Or um, a lot of times you might hear someone complain that their spouse is just another child that they have to take care of.
0: Oof. Yeah. If you've heard of that one, hit the like button. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My, my, most of the time it's husband's, it's my husband is the one who f- is like the extra child. That's what I hear a lot of. Morgan
1: says literally get. my grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: okay. we yeah. keep safe with us. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's hard. And I don't think anybody here wants that kind of marriage. Mm-mm. Nobody wants a kind of a marriage of mutual toleration. So we're going to talk today for a few minutes about how it's such a simple you thing guys, to do. You guys,
1: it is so simple. Why don't you tell a story? But it is life changing. Okay. When we first got married, um, <laughs> there were certain things that I just really liked to be done a certain way.
0: You done them that way your whole life. Right. And just like i done certain things a certain way my whole life.
1: I mean, in my mind, there's no other way of doing it. Every other way is wrong. But um, we were doing laundry and I came home from work, I think, and Nate was sitting on the couch and he had piles of laundry around him and he was folding the clothes. And he looked up to me and he said, Hey, is there any specific way you want me to fold your garments? And I was like, No, you can just do it however you want. And I sat there and and he was like, Okay. And he started folding the garments and I was just like I'm smiling on the outside and on the inside I'm like are you really folding the garments that way are you really gonna put them in my drawer that way and so I like slowly snuck over to him sat down while he was watching tv and I grabbed the pile that he had already folded and I started unfolding them and refolding them the way that I wanted them.
0: Your special way. The right way.
1: Right. And he noticed and quickly stood up and said, well, since since you know exactly how you want this, I'm going to let you do this. And for the next month.
0: I'm not I'm not going to waste my time folding laundry for you if you're just going to redo the work. I'll spend my time doing something else. That was my logic.
1: So I spent the next month doing.
0: Did you like me when I said that?
1: I will, honestly the next month when I would come home and your clothes would be nice and neatly folded on the bed and mine would just be a pile <laughs> strewn on the other side of the bed and I was like rude that's so mean and so for a, the longest time I'll be honest he I refused I
0: didn't like you either
1: He refused but, to touch gosh. my clothes and I learned a very important lesson and I remember learning it and sitting down with him and saying I don't care how you fold my garments. I'm just really glad that you were helping me. And now, three years later, we move into a new house, and I organize the kitchen. And I have different buckets for different things. This thing goes here. This thing goes here. This thing goes here. And it's all organized nicely. Six months later, it looks nothing like how I organized it. (laughs) But I come home and I see Nate doing the dishes. And in my in my mind now it's like I could care less where he puts these dishes. I'm just really grateful that he's helping me. And it is that that perspective change of
0: We still haven't told him what the secret is.
1: So what's the secret
0: to having a strong I like you having a a very
1: strong I like you pillar is saying thank you.
0: Gratitude Gratitude and and
1: appreciation. It's so, so, so simple, but it is literally life-changing to just have that perspective switch of things need to be done a certain way, and if they're not done this way, then I'm going to be upset to, you know, I'm just really, really glad that he is helping me with the dishes.
0: You have a quote, don't you?
1: I do. Honestly, you can make a Google of LDS gratitude quotes and...
0: There's so many of them.
1: But Gordon Hinckley says the habit of saying thank you is the mark of a cultivated mind. And uh, Robert D. Hale said this. He said, "In some quiet way, the expression and feelings of gratitude have a wonderful cleansing or healing nature. Gratitude brings warmth to the giver and receiver alike. So it's it's one of those things that help both people. When I express my gratitude to Nate and I say thank you for him helping me with these things." It helps me to recognize those good things that he's doing. I am noticing now little things that he does that make my life better. And as I'm, the more I say, thank you, the more there is to say thank you for. And on the flip side, when Nate hears me say, thank you, thank you for helping me do the dishes. He's like, man, if it makes my wife this happy, I'm going to help her with the dishes every night. Or, you know, it, it, it. It's mutually beneficial yeah. to say thank you.
0: I want to get into the psychology of this for a minute. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. So I want you to think of um, I want you to think of when you're when a baby is learning to like maybe you have nieces or nephews or maybe you have kids, a, a little one year old, one and a half year old is learning to, to walk and talk. You know, if they stand up and they're on the wobbly legs and their giant head is like making them bobble and they let go of like maybe the side of the couch and they take one step and then two steps and then they fall on their butt. Like the you, you don't look at your kid and be like, "You're so stupid! I can't believe you can't walk." That's look around not how house. you do it. Everybody else here knows how to walk. Why can't you walk? Yeah, that's not how you do it. You don't take two steps and just sit down. You know that's not how you treat a baby. When a baby takes two steps, you go, "Oh my gosh! You took two steps. That's amazing!" And we do you. you throw the praise at them and you celebrate and you see if they can get them to take three steps and then four steps it doesn't matter if they wobble or if they don't do it perfectly and we we take this principle and we do the exact same thing when we're dating you know when when uh man just think about the moments where you've had like your first kiss or the first time somebody holds your hand
1: you say or the first time
0: you cuddle while you're watching a movie you know (laughs) like you get these endorphins and you, and you get send signals like, Hey, I want more of this. Like I want more connection. I want you to hold my hand more. I want you to ask me out on more dates. You send that text afterwards. Hey, I had a really fun time tonight. I'd love to see you again. You know, you do things to encourage more of the behavior that you want more of. And, and um, then when we get into in married, what happens to a lot of couples is they think they stop doing this and they think, Oh, I'll just punish my partner for all the wrong things they're doing. I'll just like criticize them and tell them, these are the ways that you're falling short. And these are the ways that you're making me miserable. And they're going to turn around and look at you and be like, thank you for telling me what a failure I am. Could you tell me more? (laughs) Could you tell me more about the, the ways that I'm weak and fallible and that I'm making you miserable so that I can work really hard to fix them. That's just not how humans work, but it's how oftentimes we approach relationships. So the reason gratitude is so powerful is exactly what Angela was saying. Psychologically, it's like just relationally, it's really nice to hear compliments and it makes you feel good to to give them, but on the psychological principle, like from the psychological perspective, you know, when you when you give gratitude and appreciation towards your partner, it it releases pleasure chemicals that it touches the reward center of your of your partner's brain and it's basically sends them these drugs that say, "Hey, That feels really good to get that praise you should do more of the thing that got you that praise and basically what you're doing when you're expressing gratitude is you're becoming your partner's drug dealer but the drugs that you're dealing them are the pleasure chemicals in their brain and you can get them hooked on doing the things that you want them to do by giving them praise and appreciation and gratitude um and then on the flip side uh it does something for you specifically like Mm -hmm. if you've ever heard of the term rose-colored glasses There's also uh, a term, we call them poop colored glasses in our house, (laughs) Uh, but it's a real thing. Like psychologically, you can get what's called negative sentiment override. And this is a state of mind where even the most neutral interactions are perceived as negative through your lens. It's when you basically, you put on poop colored glasses and everything just has this gross tint to it. You know, you're looking for the bad in everything instead of the good in everything.
1: Subconsciously. Because if yeah. you're just wearing it and, and everything's being filtered through these poop colored glasses, even something neutral would be perceived as negative to yep. you. Let's say Nate is standing in the kitchen and he's reading a book or something and goes, ah. and then I turn and look at him and go, what, what I do, you know,
0: so he's defensive. just like. Yeah.
1: Oh, sorry. I was just sighing. I didn't know. Yeah. That's what happens when you're wearing poop-colored glasses.
0: So, the people who wear rose-colored glasses and express gratitude and appreciation, the research shows that they actually have a more accurate view of life than people with poop-colored glasses on. So, the gratitude helps you have an actually a more accurate view. You'll you'll miss less of the positive things that your partner does and you'll see the world more clearly. Um, so it changes your, inter- your internal perspective, which is even more powerful than the fact that it inspires the good in your partner. Now, I right. want to before we move on to the next principle, I want to hit on something that's really important. Now, one of the things that I hear a lot of people say is, "Well, why should I thank my partner for doing something that's their job? It's this his one, job. I guess pet. Peeve. It's his job to take out the trash. Why should I thank him for it? You know, uh, it's her job to make dinner. Why should I thank her for it?" It's what, whatever your roles are in your relationship, you know, whoever goes to work, why should I thank him for doing that? Like, it's their job. And my response would be because you want to be the kind of partner that your, your that you spouse enjoys being with you. Right. You know, like if your server brings you food, do you say thank you? Most likely because you're okay. a nice person. <laughs> yeah. You know, if the if, if the bagger at the grocery store bags your groceries for you, do you say thanks? Have a good day? Yeah, of course you do. Even though it's their job, you thank them for it. If you want to have the kind of marriage that your partner's excited to be a part of, you thank them for doing their job and do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Thank them for helping you vacuum. Thank them for mopping the floor. Thank them for, for cleaning up the barf uh, that your kid threw up. Thank them for making the bed. You know, find reasons to be grateful for them because, one, it makes them feel good to be part of the marriage. It incentivizes them to do more positive things in your relationship. And number three, it makes you like them. Like you start to perceive them as somebody who contributes positively to your life. It helps you focus on the good in life and it helps you be more Christ-like. And if you do that, your, I like you pillar will be so strong. The people who have really weak, I like you pillars in their life, practice no gratitude. They're resentful, they're unkind, and they are, uh, they are, they walk around with poop colored glasses on and it's not fun to be around those people. They lose their friends. It's, it's rough.
1: Now, just like any other thing that we've talked about on, in this course, it does take practice. It takes practice when you've been used to doing things a certain way or used to looking at things a certain way, you have to consciously and, um, intentionally practice this. And like my story at the beginning, there are some things that you might have to let go of, like the way that your husband folds your garment.
0: Or that puts might away different. the cups.
1: Yeah. I... Grew up my whole life putting the cups down, and Nate grew up his whole life putting the cups up. And it's like, who's right and who's wrong? Doesn't matter.
0: Well, we put them in up, so it turns out I won that one, so I'm right. Well, you're wrong
1: because I—I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Was able to let go of that. I didn't even realize, like
0: this was an issue because she just like let it go
1: and realize so. that nobody's gonna die if yep. the cups are in the cupboard face up. There are going to be some things that your partner does differently than what you think. Than the way that you think it should be done and
0: and if you get caught up in the judgments it's going to make your marriage miserable there are times where i i'll be honest with you like i've been in the i've been in the kitchen doing dishes and i'm just like i don't know if you've ever done this but you're like um rage scrubbing the dishes and you're just like i'm in here in the alone scrubbing the dishes that you <laughs> ate on too and you made them just as dirty as i did and i'm feeling and then i like start to take a deep breath and i'm like okay what are the things that Angeline does to make my life good? And I'm like, she made this dinner that I ate off the, on these plates. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And she also worked a full day uh, or like she worked 40 hours this week as a nurse. and She's probably exhausted. And she's so good at helping me in this way and that way. And then I start thinking, you know what? This could be a gift that I give my wife to show her how much I appreciate her is by washing the dishes. And suddenly I'm excited about washing the dishes. And I kick on the music and I start dancing around the kitchen. I literally do this. and um. And it becomes a joy to wash the dishes and the task doesn't change. And the scenario doesn't change. The only thing that changes is my mindset. And the thing that changes my mindset is the gratitude and appreciation. So
1: let's look at some of the comments
0: real quick. All right, cool. Uh, we got negative sentiment override, Brandon. Negative oh, yeah. he sentiment he got override. It. Okay, he got, got it. it. Uh,
1: Cassandra did the same thing with garments. Yeah. Glad just, we're not the only one.
0: Lots of comments in here about <laughs> just being um, grateful. Same thing happens when I do the dishes for my wife. It takes, it makes me feel good when she's happy. Absolutely, feels good to make it. And then Stephen says,
1: "I gotta say, I've learned to pick my battles. There's probably certain things that require discussion versus others that aren't really as important."
0: That's very true. We will talk about that. Actually, we'll probably do an entire lesson on um, resolving how to pick your battles and and whether or not that's good or bad advice and what that looks like in in practice. So that's a good one, Stephen. Um. All right. Let's jump. Let's move on to I have your back.
1: All right. Very last pillar. I have your back.
0: Do you want me to tell them what this is all about? Yes. All right. I have your back means I trust you. I can rely on you. I can count on you to be there when when I really need you. You know, when all else fails, you are the person that is gonna show up to help me through a hard time, or that's gonna it's gonna have my back when I need it the most. Um, when your I have your back is weak, it it can be. It can create some real struggles in your relationship. Yes. If you really know, if you know someone really well and you really like them, but you just can't count on them. Like, do you, a lot of people I think have an acquaintance. I wouldn't call them a friend. I would call them a, an acquaintance who like, maybe you're having a hangout or a party. And you know, even if they say they're going to be there, they might not show up like that.
1: Or that if you set up a lunch date with somebody,
0: they might flake two it hours, minute. two
1: hours before they might just say.
0: Oh, something else Sorry, can't be there. Yeah. And they consistently do this. Like mm-hmm. it damages the relationship. It damages the relationship when you think you can, when you need to count on your partner the most and they don't show up for you. And so um, this it's really important to have a strong, have your back really pillar.
1: Right. So we're going to talk about this in, in a couple different ways. But the first way is to talk about an emotional bank account. So let's be honest. Whenever you get two people together, you're going to let each other down sometimes. Yep. And you're going to accidentally break a promise or... um, Drop
0: a ball. Or
1: disappoint them in a way that maybe you didn't realize would disappoint them. So the whole idea behind the emotional bank account is that you're putting in more deposits to create a positive balance. Balance. In your emotional bank account so that when there are those occasional moments where you do come home late without telling them that you're coming home late. When
0: you make a withdrawal.
1: When you make a withdrawal, you still have enough of a cushion so that it doesn't flip the the balance to now being, I don't trust you and I can't count
0: on you. And the way to make deposits, a lot of people think it's like big extravagant gestures, but really it's small mm-hmm. things. It's little things done often. Uh, it's the small and simple things that make great things happen the, by the small and simple things or great things about We're to pass? So much. Uh, it's, it's, it's the truth. So true. This is the truth. So the, the re- there's more, more really interesting marriage research here, but the, um, the Gottman Institute did some research and found that the most happy and fulfilled couples have a ratio. They call it the magic ratio. The, they have a ratio of 20 positive interactions to every one negative, negative interaction. Mm-hmm. So a positive interaction could be putting your hand around your partner holding your hand when they go for a walk, giving them a a kiss or a pat on the butt when they walk past you in the hallway, (laughs) asking them how their day is going, shooting them a text saying, Hey, I'm thinking about you, smiling at them or laughing at their jokes instead of rolling your eyes. Um, you know, there's a a million little things that you can do to make a teeny tiny little deposit, a couple cents here and a couple cents there that adds up over time and the happiest couples do 20 of those things for every time they make a withdrawal and the most miserable, and sorry, before we go on to most miserable, um, during times of conflict. Those, those couples, their ratio drops down, obviously, because you, you're not going to be like as positive when you're disagreeing about something or having a hard conversation, but there's still a positive ratio. It's five positive interactions to every one negative interaction. In the most miserable couples, they had a ratio of less than one to one during conflict and much lower than 20 to one in everyday life. So this is why it's important to say your pleases and your thank yous. It's, an, it's important to, um, to be affectionate towards each other because all these little things are little deposits in the bank. And um, the more you, there's this concept that, um, that they use when talking about these, these little deposits and it's called turning towards your partner. Now I want you to think about, um, I, I've used the analogy of ping pong in the past, but ping pong feels competitive. Uh, did you ever as a kid play the game keep it up where you have like a balloon and you try to keep it in the air? Oh yeah. keep it
1: from touching the ground. Yeah,
0: yeah, you keep it yeah. from touching touching the ground. Uh-huh. I want you to think about marriage as a game of keep it up. And you and your partner are on a team and your goal is to keep the balloon up as long as possible. And but you're not allowed to touch it two times in a row, all right? This is a weird analogy. But um but <laughs> I get where you're going with But that. you're hitting the balloon back and forth to each other basically and the goal is to not let it hit the ground. And so when you turn towards your partner and make a bid for connection and say, hey, it's going to be 70 degrees outside today. And if you're on your phone and you miss that, that bid for connection, or if you just go Ugh, and roll your eyes and turn away from them, that balloon is going to hit the ground and the game is over. Now, the goal in marriage is to hit, the, to hit the balloon back and forth to each other as long as possible without it ever hitting the ground. And so every time your partner makes a bid for connection, whether it's saying like, hey, it's going to be nice, we should go for a walk today. You go, yeah, that sounds great. Or, oh, did you hear about that thing that happened, uh, you know, in the in the government today? And you go, oh, no, I didn't hear like send me the article or, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's basically responding in a positive way to any bid for connection. Any any time your partner hits you the balloon, you don't just like watch the balloon hit the ground. You act proactively hit it back, even if it's just a little tap, like make some sort of effort.
1: This is something that I have been having to make a conscious effort to do. As far as missed bids go, um, I think Nate can attest to this. Sometimes he'll make a bid for connection and say, hey, look at look at that thing on the side of the road. And in my head, I respond and I go, hmm, that's interesting in my brain. But I but nothing comes out of my mouth.
0: I literally think that yesterday I said the words, you know, I really love it when you like verbally acknowledge that I said something to you. That means a lot to me.
1: <laughs> I. And honestly, it <laughs> took me the longest time to realize I was doing this because I would always respond in my head.
0: Introvert problems.
1: It, it It's something I think it's definitely something introverts do where I think that I've responded and I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Thanks for pointing that out to me, Nate. But none of that ever leaves my mouth. And so in his mind, I'm just ignoring him or I don't care what he's saying. And in his mind, the balloon has hit the ground. Yeah. So. Sometimes it does take a conscious effort to respond and turn towards your partner in that
0: way. Definitely, Another thing you can do to build your I have your back pillar is to consciously make it verbal promises to your partner and then keep them. You know, our church focuses a lot on covenants and making promises when you get married. And you should continue to do that. Like you should continue to say, hey, I promise I'm going to take care of that project that's been driving you nuts. Like I'm going to build that shelf or I'm going to. I'm going to fold the laundry or I'm going to go mow the lawn or, you know, I'll take a look at our budget or whatever. And then you got to follow through. And that's something I'm working on is I have really good intentions, but I don't always have great follow through. And so that's an area of, um, strengthening our, have, I have your back pillar. That's something that I'm working on right now. Um, so these three pillars all together comprise the foundation of your relationship. If one of these pillars starts to get weak, I want you to think about, um, when people say they have communication issues, what they typically what they're saying is that their that their foundation of friendship is is weak. One
1: of these pillars, at
0: least is one. Weak. So I want to if you're having a heated conversation about um, maybe overbearing in laws, or maybe you're having a heated conversation about um, like a really great one that I heard this week from a couple is that uh, he's really spontaneous and creative, and they have conversations to decide how they're going to move how they're going to approach things in their relationship. Um, and then he'll make changes to the policy that they've, that they've created or the agreement they've created in their marriage without talking to her. And she feels like her, um, her, her opinion doesn't matter. She doesn't have any power in the relationship because he just overrules her without consulting her when really he's just spontaneous, Mm -hmm. you know? And so they have this issue. And when you go back to the core, like, it's really hard to have a difficult conversation with somebody that you don't know. Like if you don't know what's stressing your partner out, what's overwhelming them, what they're frustrated about, what they really want out of life right now, it's gonna be really hard to have a conversation about your marriage because you're not gonna really understand and, and be able to have empathy and really understand what's going on in their world. If you don't like your partner, if you don't appreciate them, if you don't have any gratitude for them and all you see them as is a burden and just like a an inconvenience in your life, it's gonna be really hard, hard to have a, a conversation about the budget because it's gonna reinforce the poop-colored lenses Mm -hmm. that you're looking at them through. And if you don't trust them, you might have these hard conversations and, and then all of a sudden, like, you're not going to count on them to be able to, you have, maybe you come up with agreement after having a hard conversation. You're like, okay, this is the way we're going to move forward, but you're not going to trust that they're going to follow through on their end of the deal. And there's going to be this constant worry and anxiety and mistrust, and it's going to make it that communication really hard. So without this foundation of friendship, communication stinks in your relationship. When your foundation is strong, your relationship, you can ha- be confident that your partner's going to have your back no matter what. You're going to love spending time with them and you know what's going on in their world and you actually appreciate and you're making that effort. You're, you can overcome any obstacle that comes your way if mm-hmm. your foundation is strong. That's the beauty of building your relationship on a strong foundation. So whether you're, in, whether you're married right now um, or not, you can take a look at the relationships in your life and assess where am I strong and where am I weak? In, in each specific relationship or think what are the things that I can do to strengthen the relationship that I want to nurture more? You know, can you ask better open-ended questions to create a better, I know you, can you express more gratitude and appreciation to like your, your, the person that you're with even more? And, and can you make sure that you're responding to those bits for connection, making deposits in the emotional bank account, instead of, um, instead of ignoring them or missing them, cause you're on your phone or you're watching a movie or you're, you know, distracted for some reason, or just being mean.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So action items for this week, because this is such a simple concept to start practicing regardless of your relationship status. Yes. If you're in a relationship, married or um, dating, work on this with your partner. If you're single, pick somebody in your life, whether a it's roommate. a roommate, a family Specifically somebody member, that you
0: might be struggling with.
1: Um, a coworker, pick somebody and do three things this week. First, practice asking open-ended questions. Download that Gottman card deck. We put the link in the comments Mm -hmm. and use that if you need to, to get some question ideas. Second, practice saying, I thank you.
0: I thank you. I thank you. (laughs) Practice Uh, saying, I thank you. Angela and I thank
1: you. Practice saying, thank you. Practice expressing gratitude to this person. And if it's really hard to find something to be grateful for, you might need to get really creative, but find something to say thank you for this week. And third, um, practice turning towards them. Practice engaging in a conversation. Um, put your phone down when they're talking to you. Please. I think that's a really, a really important one. Honestly, I think it's not necessarily uh, ignored bids for connection that happen most often. It's the mist because we're distracted doing other yep.
0: things. Most likely when you miss a partner's bid for connection, it's not because you're being mean. It's just because you're distracted.
1: Yep. So That's ask perfect. questions, say thank you, and be less distracted and turn towards the partner, whoever it is that you're going to practice this on.
0: And if you know that there's one specific, if you're already clear which pillar is weak, then just do that one thing all week. Like if your I like you is weak, then just say thank you. Mm -hmm. once a day for something new in a different way maybe it's a text maybe it's a phone call maybe it's face to face but find ways to be grateful um and it will change your life it really will if you want to i'll give you one last superpower before we log log off today if you want to supercharge your gratitude add the phrase why afterwards Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: so you can say something like Hey, uh, so I, I'll just tell a story. This is it's more powerful when I tell an actual story. So I uh, encouraged a woman a couple of weeks ago who was struggling. Um, she had a she was working in the evenings and when she got off work was really inconsistent. And there was one particular evening where she knew she was going to end up working late and she called home stressed out to her husband and goes, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm really stressed. I'm going to be home later than I expected. Can you take care of dinner tonight? And he goes, yeah, no problem. So she comes home, he's taking care of dinner. And instead of just saying, thank you for taking care of dinner. She says the why afterwards. She says, thank you for taking care of dinner. It meant so much to me. I've been really stressed and worried lately about dinner because of my work schedule. And it meant so much to me that I could rely on you to just take this off my plate today. It just, it was really helpful and gave me a lot of peace of mind. And he goes, I had no idea that this was such a big, big deal for you that you were stressing out about dinner so much. And she goes, oh really? He goes, yeah, I never knew. Would it be helpful if I just took care of dinner from now on. So this wasn't something that stressed you out. She goes, really? He goes, yeah. Now that I understand why it's so stressful for you, I have no problems taking this off your plate. Like I'd love to, I'd love to just take care of dinner. It's not a big deal for me. And she like teared up and she's like, thank you so much. And adding that one why on the end, it it really adds an extra punch of positive positivity and and appreciation into a statement of gratitude. So definitely encourage you to do that.
1: All right. Thanks for joining us this week. Guys. That's
0: the foundation of a great marriage. The
1: wise man builds his marriage on the foundation of,
0: a friendship. I kn-
1: of friendship. There you go. Which is
0: I know you, I like you, and I have your back.
1: Yep. You okay, guys. Think of that primary song whenever have, you think of it.
0: Have a fantastic week. We have a really fun and exciting um, lesson for you next week. And uh, we'll send it out in an email. If you want email alerts... For when we do these lessons just go to mormonmarriageprep.com and type in your email address and we will shoot these out uh we'll let you know a couple days in advance and then right before we go live as well so that you don't miss out brandon you're welcome
1: oh yeah thanks brandon and thanks um taufa and steven so if if this is something that you're enjoying share it with a friend Share it with someone who you think would enjoy it too. We we think the more the merrier, we'd love to have as many We like
0: people. hanging out with you guys every Sunday.
1: Yeah, it's really fun, we enjoy it.
0: Yeah. So, have a good week everybody.
1: Bye everyone.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, come check us out over at the Growth Marriage Podcast. Angeline and I are continuing to have some of these really interesting and complicated conversations with amazing people over on that show. And two podcasts was just too much for us to handle. So we decided we would consolidate all of our effort and attention into one. We hope we get to continue our relationship with you over there, and we hope you enjoy all the content that we've been working on while we haven't been posting here on the Mormon Marriages podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you soon.